0: Hello and welcome to Writing Children's Fiction. My name's Andy, I teach creative writing and I write children's fiction under the pseudonym AP Winter. This week I thought I'd ask the starting question, what are our characters doing? We've talked before about how you might go about creating strong characters so check out the earlier podcast on tips for character creation if you haven't done so already. But this time, I wanted to focus a bit more on how we create a clear sense of characters in the writing itself. We'll address the easy stuff first. If you've ever been reading a piece of fiction and found it difficult to keep all the characters straight, it's always an option to blame the book especially if the book in question features a lot of characters that inhabit similar roles, want similar things, and express themselves in similar ways. If you're looking at your plan um, for your own piece of writing and thinking, well, these are the characters I'm interested in, but in real life there are always this many people around and stories are meant to have lots of people too, so I'd better include all of these characters, it's a good time to step back and think about what's actually interesting for you and the reader. One of the wonderful things about prose is that you can cut out huge swathes of things that aren't necessarily interesting about your characters' lives just by leaving a gap on the page and getting straight to the next moment where a choice is being made or a conflict is being presented, or just getting to the character that really brings your work to life. The challenge isn't including all those other things in life and making them interesting. It's just designing the beats of your story in such a way that it makes sense and tells a story and suggests a sense of a world where other things are happening while really just sticking to the interesting stuff for the scenes themselves. The clearest example I can give of this in children's fiction is in writing school scenes. Often there's a tendency to feel you need a chorus of voices in scenes to make it more like actually being at school, when really the story is about, say, two children, the choices they're making, and the intrigue around that. Just making it clear to the reader that they're also at school, having the odd nod to other people being there or lessons that need to be attended, while actually just making every significant scene about your main characters, can be much more liberating and much more effective than trying to include a vague sense of lots of voices taking part. I'm not saying it can't be done well, but just don't feel you have to do it because you're worried about the reader noticing that only a small group of people really get to talk about important stuff. I can almost guarantee that no reader has ever said, I like this scene, but I wanted to hear what three children, whose names all begin with T, also had to say about this point. I've touched on this idea of getting rid of peripheral things that we tell ourselves our story needs, but which it really doesn't, so many times now on the podcast that I think I need a snappier mantra for it. So for now, we'll call it writing what the reader wants to know. So we have this idea of honing stories and not getting hung up on including a huge cast, even in situations where lots of people are present. But what about getting a stronger sense of what characters are doing, and who they really are, In individual scenes. A good starting point for thinking about this kind of knowing a character can be found in the figure of the trickster. This character type crops up in stories all over the place in ancient and not-so-ancient tales. The character who we know likes to make mischief and play tricks on people. When you listen to a story featuring this trickster, You're always on alert for their next scheme, and as soon as we get a sense of them entering a situation where a prank might be about to unfold, we often tend to be aware of that potential before the tale tells us so. There's a satisfaction in this kind of recognition. It puts us in a position where we're encouraged to interpret things beyond what the characters themselves might know, which is what we might call dramatic irony, but just as importantly, it emphasises a sense of familiarity with the character. You can picture someone who has heard these stories many times, nudging a new listener and saying, you just see what this trickster is about to do. It also puts us in a position where we're not thinking about what we might do, but where we're standing in another character's shoes for a moment, which I think is a powerful aspect of fiction. So this sense of familiarity with a character's intent has the benefit of being constructed by the listener or by the reader. It seems complex, but the actual elements in the story are also very simple. They have an immediately accessible shape to them. A shape along the lines of, I think this character will want or need to do this because... dot dot In this case, because they love tricking people as evidenced by all those times I saw them tricking people before. And in the same way that we might look at a door handle without necessarily knowing what it is, and say, well, I haven't seen exactly this kind of thing before, but it's just big enough for me to hold, and it's easy to push down, and it's attached to a door, so I think it's a mechanism I'm meant to use, we can build a sense of character anticipation with just a few well-chosen details. I've been calling this ability to understand characters on an easy emotional level affidation, because I heard a lecturer call it that once, but it's not a word that shows up on spellcheck, so maybe I dreamt it. Anyway, I think this kind of affidation in characters is the most likely culprit when people say they feel like they know characters. It's not necessarily that you've dumped as much information about the specific person into the story as possible, and it happens to align to a person the reader knows. In fact, it's often characters we know very little about that we feel we know the most. It's that you've selected some useful cues that make the reader fill in the rest of the blanks, make guesses about what a character will or won't do, and look forward to seeing themselves proved right. So how do we create this effect in our stories? We don't want to tell the reader how the door handle works. We want them to guess how it works from a few contextual details. Let's look at an example of a scene. Let's say a leader of some kind is explaining a plan to a group of adventurers. They all want the same thing, in a way, to save the day, to help people, etc. It would be easy to fall into a scene where people just take it in turns to outline parts of the plan and agree to it and foreshadow things that might be a problem. And that's fine, there are some good elements for a scene there, some expectations being set up, perhaps. But what does it show about the characters? other than the fact that they all want to save the day, which, presumably, we're already aware of, and it doesn't involve the reader very much in constructing this meaning anyway. There's no inference to figure out, it's just an evident fact. And presumably, none of these behaviours, when they're exchanging ideas or problems they might have, are going to be particularly memorable. Let's break it down with three examples of characters that might enliven the scene. Let's say one of them is a practical guy who isn't used to schemes or subtlety, but is a bit embarrassed about this. Maybe he'll pretend to understand, but is secretly nervous because someone needs to explain the scheme to him more clearly. Maybe someone is a headstrong character that doesn't want to do things carefully with a plan but would prefer to jump straight in. They might seem impatient, or perhaps disengaged. Maybe someone wants to impress the leader, so they're going to show their eagerness to agree to everything and stress their enthusiasm. Now, all of these elements might be quite subtle in the scene itself. You might hint at them in a line or two of dialogue, or even a detail of body language, an enthusiastic nod or a nervous glance from a character at the back of the room. But by including these details, and making these behaviours consistent across scenes, we have a sense of familiarity to these characters. We feel like we know them because, in story terms, we do. We know how they'll react to situations the story is likely to present, and we can build little moments of anticipation around situations as they begin to develop. Importantly, as a writer, we know what details we should be bothering to write in these scenes. We know that we should be spending time encouraging the reader to make these connections. So this is what our characters are doing. To put it in very bland terms, a repetition of details suggests compulsions, a tendency towards particular choices and behaviors. Basically, I think they will do this because this, or I think they want this because of this. So, for example, that one guy will pretend he understands because he's not used to this kind of thing, but doesn't want to seem like he doesn't know what he's doing. And that other character will agree to everything because they want to ingratiate themselves to the boss you get the idea. And of course, all of this is really just a more elaborate way of expressing something we've talked about before, about making characters want things. But I think allowing for the idea that they're compelled to do something, that they will do something specific in a scene for a specific reason, and will act in that way with some degree of predictability, is a good way of focusing your writing on the idea of more subtle indicators or moments of dramatic irony, rather than instances where characters consciously state their intent. An important note to this, which I'm sure you've considered already, by talking about predictability, we're talking about things we can predict the character might do in a situation from clues in the story itself, rather than obvious clues of the function they serve in the story. I think William Goldman talks about the idea of giving the reader what they want, but not how they expect. That might be a useful way of distinguishing between the satisfaction of knowing a character will act a particular way, and the potential disappointment of everyone in the story being a story type that does things that turn out in a predictable way at each turn. There's also the even worse area of stereotypes, um, where it's no longer about reinforcing ideas about how an individual character might act for some key aspect of their personality, or things they do in the story, or things they want, but instead showing a person from a particular background or in a particular role in a way that suggests, because of their background or role, that they are a type and are therefore capable of being understood by crude tropes. Again, I know this is all stuff that any considerate writer is aware of but I just want to stress that when I'm talking about predictability in writers I mean in terms of affidation and clues from the things happening in the story and from individual character motivations, so from things the reader can get interested in. Okay, I think that's probably a good place to stop for now. All aspects of this podcast were created by me. I'm sorry there was a bit of a hiatus between this episode and the previous one. It was a much more hectic term than I was expecting. But Thank you so much for listening. I don't even know where to begin thanking everyone who has supported the podcast so far. It makes me really happy to hear that some of the things in these episodes have been useful I think writing is hard enough as it is so I love the idea of helping in any small way I should also say um, if you donate through the buy me a coffee link in the episode description, please do let me know if you'd like me to give you a mention on the show um, I didn't want to risk thanking anyone without permission, but I definitely should have mentioned this before and I'd love to give you shout-outs in future if I can. Good luck with all your writing. I hope to be back with a new episode soon and I hope you'll join me then.